Well, everybody, SLED has finally confirmed what we were all thinking was going on in the background, which is they are really investigating <laughs> Becky Hill. They have two investigations going right now into this jury tampering. We're going to get into it. Also, Neil Gordon has finally spoken out regarding the plagiarism scandal, and he has a differing opinion than he had a couple of weeks ago. We're going to play a video from Court TV in a second. I'm Collier Landry. Let's get into it. Testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial. In when I was 12 years old, my testimony sent my father to prison for murdering my mother. I decided at an early age that our trauma should not be what defines us. It's what we choose to do with it that does. I'm here to share my unique perspective on true crime, mental health, society, and popular culture, albeit with a slight sense of humor. I'm Collier Landry, and welcome to my show. I'm sorry, I'm just seeing this Jedi Granny. Remember that rumor that if you drank Coke and Pop Rocks, your stomach would explode? <laughs> yes, I do. The answer is yes, I do. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I find that so funny. I just do. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, welcome, everybody. I got a, a, a fun show. Obviously a fun show, right? <clears throat> in store for all of us today. Uh, yeah, I um, uh, a couple of new Patreon patrons have just joined. I want to give a big shout out to you guys. Liz Glosson and Sherry Falls. Welcome to Mover Nation. Mover Nation, welcome to you. Thank you for joining the Patreon. Thank you to all my channel members as well. I want to get into a sponsorship message in a minute. But first, so totally off topic of what, what I'm going to talk about. This morning, <laughs> I mean, I needed a good laugh because this morning I listened to an article uh, about microplastics. <laughs> and you don't need to take anything away from this other than we're all doomed. We're all doomed. You can't breathe anymore. You can't drink. You most certainly can't drink the water. You can't eat any kind of food. We're all doomed. Microplastics and everything. We'll see how it all shakes out. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I'm just listening to this guy's article. And I'm like, you know, like, why, why do we talk about, like, why do we even talk about this? And this is why we need to have a sense of humor when things like this come into our lives. <laughs> and we get our tabs out. <clears throat> I'll tell you. What, a, what an interesting, uh, a tangled web we weave when we choose to deceive. So it seems like, uh, well, things are coming apart at the seams for Becky Hill and now you have her co-author, Neil R. Gordon, uh, coming on yesterday on Court TV with um, Vinnie Politan, or Vinnie Politano. Vinnie Politan? Politan, I think. Um, <laughs> sort of backtracking and covering his tracks. Clearly, he hired a publicist <laughs> between the last time he was on his show. And the recent, and I'm going to play that clip because I was, thought it was really fascinating. There are many things that are going on right now in the media that I just think are really, really interesting, including, of course, uh, if you are a sports fan and if you are a New York Jets fan, you are thoroughly disappointed with your season, and I understand why. Uh, and your quarterback now uh, last week had accused Jimmy Kimmel of being on uh, Jeffrey Epstein's list, which then uh, uh, Kimmel responded to on a Monday monologue for seven minutes on his show, which I found really hilarious as well. Oh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, conspiracy theories, COVID nonsense, um, just ayahuasca. Ayahuasca I liked. Uh, you know, it, I, I like the alternative treatment thing, but yeah, what a what a hole he's dug himself into. So uh, for anyone who's a New York Jets fan out there, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm very, uh, I, I feel bad for you because it was a rough season and it's going to get rougher. Uh, new, new member, football mom. Uh, obviously you like talking about football. There we go. I'm a San Francisco 49ers fan, by the way, over here next to me. I have my little, for those of you that may or may not remember, I have my little starting lineups. This is Jerry Rice and Joe Montana. They sit on the shelf next to me. Uh, even though I was born in Philadelphia, I'm not really an Eagles fan. Um, I hope the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get have their way with them this weekend uh being from ohio i think baker mayfield gets his due anyways um back to what i was talking about yes so becky hill 
more nonsense. And just is she really, is she literally on the hot seat? There was an article in the New York Post about this. There was an article uh, in the state yesterday and also on, of course, our friends at Fitz News, which have talked about this ad nauseum and uh, what has been happening because it's just, um, yeah. And, oh, look at this. I'm seeing another article about Eric Bland. Uh, oh boy. All right. About his podcast, but we'll, uh, we'll get into that in a second. Um, so yesterday, uh, Kirk, a clerk, <laughs> Colleton County clerk of courts, Becky Hill, who we all know for writing this book <laughs> behind the doors of justice and for up until writing this disaster of a book, because it's a disaster in every ways, um, you know, was known as being the upstanding clerk of courts during the Murdoch trial, read the Murdoch verdict, that photo that is in the thumbnail that is of her reading the verdict, big time, big moment on the world stage. And now it looks like all of this is, is again, leading to a new trial, leading to just more malfeasance from her department. Oy vey. Um, <clears throat> SLED currently has two open investigations into Colleton County Clerk of Court Becky Hill, which this was confirmed yesterday afternoon. Um, the first, uh, according to sources, it's the first open investigation into Hill, and it's her ongoing, it's our, their ongoing probe into her jury tampering allegations, which of course is the crux of like Alec Murdaugh's defenses, uh, allegations that he did not receive a fair trial, which is, you know, I mean, as I said before, the system has to work for the worst of us so it can work for the best of us. Um, it's, a, it's a whole kerfuffle. And we're going to hear what her co-author, Neil Gordon, talked about yesterday. But first, Mover Nation, did you know that one in five Americans have learning a new language on their New Year's, um, their New Year's resolution list? We're going to hear a moment from our sponsor. I'll be right back. Hey, Movers. Did you know that one in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list? If you're one of them, make 2024 the year you finally check it off with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Designed by over 150 language experts, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are your passport to speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Real people, real conversations, that's the Babbel way. Babbel's tips and tools are not just lessons. They're companions in real-life situations. The approachable, accessible content is delivered through conversation-based teaching, ensuring you're ready to shine in the real world. Before Babbel, I couldn't imagine effortlessly ordering food, asking for directions, or chatting with local merchants, and all without consistently checking a language app while I'm on vacation. But Babbel makes it easy, providing the practical skills you need for real-life scenarios. Struggling with pronunciation? Babbel's got your back with speech recognition technology, helping you perfect your accent and sound like a native speaker in no time. Hola. Hola. Here's a special limited time deal for all my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash collier. Get 55% off babbel.com slash collier, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash collier. Rules and restrictions may apply. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you so much, Gen X Granny, for posting that in the comments. Check out our sponsor today, Babbel. I should start off the uh, I should start off the show saying bienvenidos, <laughs> uh, bienvenidos and welcome uh, wherever you may be and however you may be listening or watching. Thanks for making me a part of your day. So Becky Hill back in the news for all the wrong reasons, of course. Again, Sled confirming yesterday two open investigations against her in this jury tampering nonsense. There's a quote in the New York Post. There was an article that was published over the weekend on Saturday that uh, this is a this is an uns a person, a longtime Hampton County native that knows most of the players, said, quote, 
Becky Hill is a narcissist who was in over her head and was pushing to get a hot book about the case out while at the same time seemed to be crossing a lot of boundaries with the jurors, a longtime Hampton County native who knows most of the players on both sides of the Murdoch trial told the Post. This is the New York Post. Right now, it looks as if some local yokels really monkeyed up the trial. If impropriety is, sh if impropriety is shown at the hearing, the hearing which is coming up on January 29th, 30th and 31st, which is what it's scheduled for, the jurisprudence of South Carolina will want that corrected. It all looks very tainted right now, and my guess is that he, meaning Alec Murdoch, will get a do-over, <clears throat> which is absolutely unfathomable to me. Um, it is something that I just, uh, I, I, I like, I literally can't even imagine what must be going through everyone's heads uh, that has been involved in this, including... The prosecutor, which somebody uh, wrote in a comment, they said um, they said that uh, they called him Muddy Waters. Creighton Waters is a guitarist and a musician, and I'm sure he does not mind the name Muddy Waters because Muddy Waters is one of the founding fathers of modern blues and rock. Uh, that is just a little tidbit of information as a music major. I figured I would share. So, um, yeah, this is a big, big problem. And so finally... Uh, after quite a bit of silence and, and arguments, you know, that were on court TV, like a month ago on Vinnie, Vinnie Politan's show, Neil R. Gordon finally came back as a guest to talk about, and you'll notice his tone, his demeanor. <laughs> he shows a lot of contrition. Um, not surprisingly, so, so um, yes, the parte is here. Absolutely. Uh, the parte is here. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Rocky er, uh, Renee S. <clears throat> Rocky Renee S. There we go. You finally made it to a live. Welcome. Bienvenidos and welcome. <laughs> um, thank you all for being so hospitable, by the way, to all of our guests. Um, Anyways, let's get into this little, this fun little video, which is right here. Right, hold on, we're not gonna play all the intro. There she is, now. Oh yes, this piece of, uh, little piece of evidence here. Mr. Murdaugh does not believe the good cause exists to examine any other witness, including Ms. Hill, in any fashion other than the traditional means of attorney questioning in open court. She does not need to be shielded from scrutiny in the same manner as anonymous jurors involuntarily summoned her, uh, summoned to serve. She is a witness against Mr. Murdaugh in a criminal case whom Mr. Murdaugh has a right to challenge in open court. So I believe that is the filing either from... Um, Murdaugh's defense team, or that might be the response from the prosecutors. I think that is the, um, that is, okay. So here we go. We get into this, um, this, yeah, here we go. Here he is back at it. I think this is an older video. Uh, Tim, what it was like, uh, to work with Becky Hill and what type of person she was. Take a listen. <laughs> But we felt it was a story that should be told. I mean, in my lifetime, I'm, I'm 59 years old. I don't know that there will ever be another trial like this. And it was so my this honor. Is the old, so this is the older interview when he's defending the book coming out, which was a few months ago. Uh, well, the book came out in, I believe, I thought it came out in September. It came, I think it came out in August. Um, he's defending the book. The story needs to be told. This has been his narrative the whole time <clears throat> until now and pleasure to work with somebody with such integrity and character as someone like Becky Hill. Well, she's now been such integrity and character as Becky Hill. Uh, so he comes on Core TV here to change his tune a bit. Um, I have to get your response because you've spoken glowingly about Becky Hill, but now I, you've learned a little more that part of the book that she wrote, she didn't write. Um, what are your thoughts about the plagiarism 
And has your opinion of Becky Hill changed at all? Well, um, I was so caught off guard. You know, there was a FOIA request um, where probably 2,100 pages of her emails were brought out. And a couple of weeks ago, just before Christmas, I read through them like so many other people. And I just, uh, I was so shocked when I saw correspondence between her and a reporter from the BBC and the BBC. Okay. <laughs> so, and I should play the other clip actually of him being so argumentative and just kind of like a little nasty and was nasty to that uh, uh, lawyer, uh, lawyer, uh, lawyer Lori. <laughs> who's a TikTok sensation, whatever, who's been very much up in this Murdoch case, Becky Hill, all of this. And it is, it is just, um, it, he, he got nasty with her. She held her composure very well. And of course, just cut right through and it was a fabulous exchange. Um, but now, now he's back. Well, just like the FOIA request, a FOIA request was filed, filed, by the way, I believe the FOIA request, you can correct me in the comments, was filed originally by Will Folks at Fitz News, because they've been doing all kinds of great work. And Will Folks has talked extensively about the sort of cognitive dissonance, if you will, because he had a lot of respect for Becky Hill. They had a, a wonderful relationship. She was the, you know, she was the clerk of courts during the Murdoch trial. Of course, they're covering the story, so they're very interested in it. And, um, you know, they had a great professional relationship and he even interviewed her. I think it was his first, her first interview about the book and they got along glowingly, which is how I even discovered that there was a book coming out. I saw that interview and I was like, oh, this is interesting. So there's this, cog you know, this, this, this cognitive dissonance, I'm sure in his mind of like, I trusted her. I, I thought she was an esteemed colleague. I thought she was a good person. And now he's, you know, been rug pulled, but they submitted the FOIA request and got all of that got all of that out there and now Neil Gordon is just coming to the party, which pretty much I think anyone with any level, any modicum of common sense would think that doing the book with the clerk of courts right after the trial, um, rushing it to get it out there is, um, is a bad idea. Is a bad idea could create some issues might not be the best use of one's uh, time, resources, things of that nature. But nonetheless, they they did it. What can you say? They did it, and it was, um, you know, it's a thing. It was a thing. There's my scroll, by the way, the ticker symbol. It's like our own stock exchange, except not. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it is, it's, I mean, it definitely leads for a lot of great banter. That's for sure. Talking about this is absolutely fascinating to me. As I've said many times on this show, it reads like a Carl Hyacin novel. It's like, you can't script. I worked in Hollywood for a, over a decade. You can't script anything this, this good, like this real. There's no way <laughs> you can look at this and be like, I think this is what's gonna, I, I think it's fascinating. I can't wait to see the movie about it. I think it'll have to be a Coen Brothers movie. A, 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 yeah, it's a Coen Brothers movie in real life. Anyways, back to... Back to uh, Neil defending his position. Back, we call this backpedaling. And in basketball, you backpedal when you're on defense. What to do? You stay low. This is backpedaling. You see, it accidentally sent her a draft of an article thinking that she was sending it to a different Becky back in the BBC newsroom. And uh, I recognize the content and the copyright. Now, I totally believe that, by the way, because this happens all the time. If you remember, there was a FOIA request that happened. Um, I, I want to say it was in it was the Murdoch jailhouse court records last year. There's a FOIA request, and there were some calls that were that were released that were between the attorney and the client, which were accidentally released. Like, look, you can't be on top of everything at every every moment. You know, I hope the BBC staffer doesn't get in trouble for for accidentally sending the email to Becky Hill and it creating this whole thing. I'm I, I find the BBC to be of utmost journalistic integrity. I think that they probably are not going to come down on their employee because mistakes happen and it just is what it is. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, he, this is, this is the, this is the whole thing. <laughs> right away. I immediately went to the book and I noticed that that was uh, ostensibly 
what our preface was. And I called her up right away and I said, I said, Becky, I said, that that's plagiarism. We, you know, we can't do that. It's, um, it's, it's absolutely improper, unethical, and, um, you know, just surprised me despite all of the various things that you hear, uh, you know, it spent so many months together just working on this book and I was just really disappointed and really shocked, felt betrayed. And, um, you know, sometimes Vinny in life, you think you know someone and then other things occur and it maybe wasn't the person that you thought that they were. And, and we'll see what, how everything plays out. But it was certainly uh, certainly very disappointing. This was a man who for months vehemently <laughs> denied all any sort of improprietary uh, impropriety with Becky Hill releasing the book. He was almost callous about it. Just another um, just another another just opportunistic. I mean, I don't know. It's and he's a and he's a journalist, which is kind of what makes this like really bad. You would think. And so, what was pra- plagiarized was the preface of the book. Um, somebody says, uh, <clears throat> "Go after Hunter and Joe Biden's." Uh, yeah, I don't know. We don't get into politics on this show. Sorry, <laughs> this is a reason why because I'm very interested in politics, and I can't go down that road. It's not. It's not a good thing. But. Uh, Hunter Biden did show up at 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 uh, at Congress today for his um, <laughs> for whatever his contempt of court hearing, which I think everybody was shocked that he did. So who knows? I don't know. Um, who knows? Uh, they were uh, they were on the way to California. Who was on the way to California? We tried to tell him in groups she was shady and he attacked us. Oh, you wish you tried to tell. You tried to tell Neil Gordon on like the Facebook group that they were talking about because they, they shut down that Facebook group. Apparently, he was running back in um, uh, b- back in like December or something or maybe. Yeah, December. So I'm curious. Is that what you're talking about? Not concerned anymore with the Murdoz. Well, why are you here then? Hey, cat loves cat skills. Thank you so much. Appreciate you coming. Uh, appreciate your uh, super sticker. He's just throwing her right under the bus. Yes. Um, and we see this oftentimes in Hollywood or in, in politics or whatever, when it's like, oh, okay, they're taking, I'm surprised it took this. So it took so long. Uh, it took her, took them so long to sort of try to throw her under the bus and try to, uh, you know, extricate himself from this whole thing. I think that was probably a, you know, I, I mean, now it's too late. And then he goes into these claims, which we'll get into in a second, which, um, which he he talks about like the book because as you guys know I bought this book I purchased this book on Amazon like two weeks ago or I guess maybe now three weeks ago I'm not sure um yeah two weeks two and a half weeks ago um because you guys uh, said hey the book is out um or you guys said you can still buy it somebody commented I believe it was illegally read said you can you can <laughs> you can still get it on Amazon and I said. I'm going right now to buy it on Amazon. I kind of wish I had bought the Kindle version, but actually this, this having the paper in your hands, the fiber, feeling the fiber of this just literary masterpiece has been so good. Um, but if you read, and I'll read this preface in a second. Let's get, let's get back to what he says because it's just, uh, and then Vinnie Politan questions him, which is great. Does it make, Thank in you your so mind, it more possible that maybe she did say some of the things that is alleged by the defense? through these uh, juror affidavits that maybe she had said some improper things to the jury? I wasn't there. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, everyone is saying what's happened with the book and, and what she's being accused of in, in so many other different situations, whether it be using her office for personal gain uh, whether it be something to do with the phones that she was supposed to be turning in to sled and wiretap tapping accusations, all of those things mounted. Certainly, uh, you've you've probably read and seen. You know, doesn't put her in the best light. 
So I don't know. I'm sure that's exactly what Judge or Justice Toll is going to discuss a week from tomorrow when she gets all the attorneys together. And then if she decides to have the evidentiary hearing on the 29th, 30th, and 31st, uh, Becky will get a chance to uh, to answer those or not answer those charges. So that's super interesting. So he just goes and questions him. He's like, so let's get, let's cut to the chase. Let's cut to the chase here. Do you, do you think that because she lied about this, that maybe she's lying about other stuff? Now I want to, I, I want to take a moment to, uh, because I see that more and more people are joining. I want to be very clear. Um, in no way, shape or form, am I talking about this to excuse anything that Alec Murdaugh did. As it stands right now, he has been convicted for the murder of his wife and his son, okay, his youngest son. He has admitted and pled guilty to stealing millions upon millions of dollars from clients, lying to them, deceiving them for decades, okay? He threw his entire family history, which whatever that history sorted or not, you know, what he has done is just, is horrific. In no way, shape, or form. I am a, I am a homicide survivor. My mother was murdered. If you don't watch the beginning of this, my mother was murdered by my father. I testified at a trial, at his trial. I, I'm the one who led investigators to, to even investigate him in the first place. It's a whole other story. We'll get into another day. I come at this from a perspective, you know, I'm, I'm making a joke about this, but this is not excuse his behavior whatsoever. That said, if there is for sure, if there is any impropriety, uh, impropriety or any, any shenanigans going on, any sort of, even the, even the notion that a jury could be tampered with in this type of situation, he deserves a fair trial because I've said it before. I say it again. The, the system works for the worst of us so it can work for the best of us. A hundred percent. I'm not a lawyer. I am not in law enforcement. I am not a psychologist. I'm just a guy who's been through a lot of shit, but that's my opinion. Rhiannon was saying, I come here for your opinions. <laughs> that is my opinion, but I want to make it very clear that in no way, shape or form does this make, you know, I'm not trying to, to be, you know, uh, anything less than sympathetic for what, I mean, I've talked extensively about what Buster Murdoch has to go through, uh, emotionally, physically, um, with all of this because you know this is his father and as someone whose father murdered his mother like i know firsthand what that feels like and what you know he's up against and i you know you know maybe not liking him or whatever people's opinions are it's the, still the fact remains is that it's a very difficult situation and if all of this comes to fruition and Alec Murdoch does get a new trial, this is really true. What has happened because of the publishing of this book and because of one person in power um, now costing taxpayers millions and millions of dollars, a community, it's, it's a lot. And, it's, and I always approach it with that in mind. So I just want to be very, very clear for those of you tuning in. This is not here to be like rah-rah and it, but I am making light of it. And this is, and I'm a, and I'm a, I'm an opinion guy. <laughs> this is my opinion. This is funny. This is humorous to me because it's, as I always say, never underestimate the predictability of stupidity. And I think that it was very solipsistic of what she did, what Neil Gordon participated in. I think it's all just bad. So I, I'm, I'm making light on it, but it's not to distract from the fact that this is a horrific situation. This is just another thing that's just perpetuated this. And it's, it's, it's almost like you got to laugh at this so you don't see how horrible that situation has been for so many people. So anyways, um, oh, thank you so much, old lady Snoop. And you look great, kid. Thank you so much. I like my new little button-up shirts. <laughs> thank you, Nordstrom's, who returned all my stuff that was seven years old when I bought it for a murder. No, not seven, five years old uh, from a murder in Mansfield and took it all back. Uh, anyways. Uh, getting back into Neil Gordon talking about this and Vinnie Politan just kind of grilling him on it. Well, let's let's ask you this um, because you're connected to her now to a certain extent, right? Your your names and you spend a lot of time with her. Do you think there's any chance that either side might subpoena you and might call you in to testify? And if so, what would you have to say? <laughs> well, there was. I think a 21-page order that came out between both the defense and the prosecution recently, and I believe in one of Dick Harpulian's paragraphs, 
He said that he was going to perhaps look through passages of the book to see if that had any significance or not and speak to people associated with producing the book. So I'm, I'm assuming that's me. So uh, my phone number is 706. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be honest and, and um, be called in and, and answer anything that I am asked. I, if he had put his phone number out, if he had put his phone number out there, that would have been amazing. Of course, you could have a Google voice too. <clears throat> that would have been amazing. Um, by the way, Debbie Richmond, uh, put your comment on the screen. Uh, I'm very sorry that you went through that. My heart goes out to you. That is really rough, but I do concur. Uh, you know, it's better than a guilty man goes free than an innocent person gets jailed. 100% I had on many months ago, Justin L. Brooks, who is a uh, lawyer in San Diego, California, with the California Innocence Project. He, uh, he wrote a book called You Might Go to Prison Even If You're Innocent. Uh, I was just saw him on Twitter today posting something, Jay Leno holding up his book. He had one of his clients, uh, Brian Banks, I believe, on Jay Leno's show years ago, who had walked free out of prison after being incarcerated for something like 25 years, wrongfully incarcerated for like 25, something, 20, couple decades. And I believe they made a movie about him too. Um, but uh, Justin Brooks and I were talking about that. And yes, again, the justice system is very complex, but the innocent people do go to prison. And uh, you want to see it work for everyone is, is really all I'm trying to say. And it, it, <clears throat> I remember... I remember, uh, um, and this might hit strike a nerve with some people, and I apologize, but a uh, trigger warning, I'm going to talk about the death penalty briefly. I remember my freshman year in high school, Ontario High School, shout out Warriors, um, I was doing, we were debating the death penalty, because uh, I don't, I, I can't remember if the death penalty was still available in in uh, Ohio or not at the time, but I talked to my teacher afterwards, because obviously it's something that hits very close to home. With me, uh, my father, I was told, could have faced the death penalty if it wasn't for my half-sister that was born 12 days before his arrest and myself, <clears throat> that they took that away. They took that off the table. And um, But I, I had said at the time to my teacher, it's such a convoluted thing because um, that's the way the justice system works. And if that had to be the fate that my father suffered for taking my mother's life in a premeditated, aggravated murder way... That is something that I would have to accept because that's how the justice system works, right? And that's, you know, it's uh, it, it's very much like, did you guys see this uh, Diabra? Uh, uh, I can't remember the last name. I, I'm going to talk about it maybe tomorrow. Um, this, this gentleman who was in court last week in Las Vegas, and I wish I had talked about it initially because I saw it on a sports show when he leaps over the, he leaps over and he attacks the judge in the bench. Uh, he was sentenced a couple of days ago to the original uh, sentencing hearing that he was having with the judge uh, for, I believe, an assault and battery case. He was facing between 19 and 48 months or something like that. And um, he le leapt over. He didn't like the judge's demeanor, leapt over, attacked her. It was actually the, the court staffer, not the bailiff, that saved her. Um, but very scary moment. But one of the, the great things is that this judge went back to the court to sentence him and specifically said, I'm not changing anything based upon what happened. This is my original notes from what I was going to sentence you on and the sentence I was going to give you. But came back to court to prove that, like, look, <clears throat> things like fear and intimidation, right? Fear, intimidation, those things don't work in the justice system. And they can't work in the justice system. We can't enable people, whether they are criminals or whether they are uh, servants of the court or civil servants or, or attorneys, you cannot let, allow them to abuse the system in a way that is going to misshape the system for all the rest of us. And that's really where all this is uh, talking about. Yes, the flying felon who now, unfortunately, you know, I want to get into because I, I, I watched an interview with his sister afterwards. Uh, lawyer, you know, talked about this yesterday, but uh, his sister talking about foster care. I was I was in foster care for a year. It sucks. It's horrible. It's, it's awful. Foster care is awful. And uh, how that maybe played upon his, you know, not getting the emotional development that he should have gotten. And I, I concur with a lot of that. Still doesn't give you a reason to break the law, in my opinion. But, um, but I'll wait into that on another time. My point is, is you can't allow people to intimidate and misuse and abuse the laws just because they want to write books. They want to, you know, get lesser sentences, et cetera, et cetera. So back to Neil. Gordon. You know, and, and have no problem with that whatsoever. Now, 
you're a journalist, right? I mean, this is this has been a big part you're of your life. Right? You've written things. You wrote this book. Now you're associated with a book that contains things that were plagiarized. So, did you take any action, and what did you do as a result of finding out that your co-author, who you thought you knew and you trusted, had lifted some parts of of what she said she wrote from somewhere else? Well, I certainly, first of all, tried to give her the benefit of the doubt and asked exactly what happened. And once she acknowledged that under deadline pressure of trying to provide more content, she did go back through her email and she did lift the material and send it in. And once she acknowledged that, I immediately contacted my attorney. We had a conversation. Um, I then called back and spoke to her husband, who's our business partner, and we decided to immediately ask Amazon to unpublish the book and the audiobook, the Kindle version, any versions that we had. Now, at first, I was going to call bullshit on that because I was able to get the book. But now that I think about it, I could not get the audio version of the book. I didn't see an audio version and I didn't see a Kindle version. So they obviously pulled that away because they could. Now he's going to get into what happens with Amazon because I guess they stocked the book. He's also going to get into another important detail. Back to the Diabra incident really fast to, to just put a button on that. Yeah, he was looking at 19 months to 48 months or whatever. Now he's got 13 other charges, including, I don't know if you saw the, the other hearing arraigning him for the attack on the judge, but it's like attempted murder, attempted abuse of someone older than 60, 60 years old, a public official intimidation of a public. I mean, it's just, this is why when you go to court again, I'm not a lawyer, not a, just not a lawyer, not a psychologist, not law enforcement, just guy has been through a lot of shit. Um, this is why when you go to court, you see, um, you know, 30 charges on someone because those charges get taken off. So they throw, they literally throw the book at you. So some of it sticks, right? You're throwing spaghetti against the wall, right? And you hope some of it sticks. And they usually throw all these charges against people, you know, criminals, you know, uh, mobsters get Rico and wiretapping charges and all these things, the tax evasion, stuff like that. Al Capone famously going to prison for tax evasion, you know, because they couldn't get him on all the homicides that he was behind during prohibition in Chicago. Right. So uh, the reason why is because they know that they can get away. They, we can make that charge stick and get this person off the streets. Um, I'm hoping in the case of this gentleman, that uh, Diabra bed in or fed in, or, or I can't remember um, that, you know, one of the talks was that he could possibly get some mental health counseling in prison uh, that he might not be able to have access to on the, on the streets. And as sad as that sounds, it's actually probably true. Actually, it's probably true. I hope he, I, you know, I, I hope he gets better. Um, you know, anyways, Rehabilitation. And then in addition to that, we reached out to the writer of the article and the BBC and apologized and explained what happened. And then we reached out to our insurance carrier to put them on notice because we carry errors and omissions insurance coverage. Now, if you guys remember, I talked about errors and omissions insurance like a couple of months ago about this book. And I wonder if they had gotten E&O insurance. We call it E&O. We have to get the same thing in the film business. When you submit a project to Netflix, for example, you make a documentary, you, you most of the time you're not getting money from Netflix to do it. They buy it from you. And they, the first thing they ask on your top sheet <laughs> and with your budget is where's your E&O insurance? Because it means that if something is not if is not done, you need to reshoot. You need to um, you need to edit something in the script. You need to re re edit the film. It's all covered by you know insurance, which is the same thing with the book. Like now, if they had to, obviously, I'm I'm assuming they are not going to pull the book forever. I'm assuming they're probably going to rewrite it, but that costs money. Now they were self publishing, so I don't know how much money that really costs them, but it's all part of the you know. But I I talked about that before. So we went we went through that entire process and Vinny, what we learn and maybe this is the um, the genesis of excuse me, the genesis of uh, being a self-published author and, and dealing with Amazon the first time is we had had such success.
of selling thousands of copies each month that Amazon felt comfortable that would continue for the foreseeable future. So they warehoused books. And, and in the fine print, in their contract, they are allowed to go ahead and liquidate those books, even when you say, please stop, no more. And uh, somebody said something about Aaron Rodgers. Just to correct you, it was actually not that what he said. What he said was a lot of people don't want that list being out there, especially Jimmy Kimmel, I believe is what he said verbatim, <laughs> especially Jimmy Kimmel. So we all know what he was alluding to, by the way. Now, you know, did he, you know, the, the irony of all that is also the fact that he's on a show that's owned by Disney, ABC, ESPN, the Pat McAfee show, and also Jimmy Kimmel has had a show on ABC for 21 years. <laughs> and it's one of the most popular late night shows in the world, right? So, you know, that is also a problem. So again, you know, my, my sports, my sports analogy is growing up a Tom Brady fan and, you know, I love Aaron Rodgers, four-time MVP, you know, most purest thrower of the football of my lifetime, you know what I mean? Says a lot of things, puts his foot in the mouth, his mouth a lot of times. That's all I'm saying. Back to Neil Gordon. Speaking of putting our foot in our mouth. So even though we unpublished it and they are not printing any more books, they have liquidated all the hardcovers and there's no more audiobook or Kindle for sale. But even today we had a few uh, paperback books and, and uh, there's been almost 900 books sold since I discovered on December 22nd. So this is the thing. So he says 900 books. So keep this number in mind because he's going to go, he's going to allude back to other sales in a second. About the plagiarism and, um, you know, we, we've kind of taken a big hit on social media. You mentioned we're kind of inextricably tied to Becky in this book and we don't want to take any of that money. I mean, that money, the book was supposed to be stopped. So we don't want to take any of that money. And, you know, after expenses and, you know, our proceeds, our net proceeds, our share of it is a few dollars a book. Uh, so we're going to donate that money to some charities in the low country. There's a lot of really wonderful foundations and scholarships set up for children um, to get a good education. You know, some pockets of the low country uh, are very poor. And um, so it's something my wife and I uh, want to do. And if you will, try to. He's very magnanimous, isn't he? What I think was very bad and what occurred just before Christmas. Well, Neil, I always appreciate your your honesty and willing to, willing to answer any questions that I throw at you. So uh, thanks so much. Uh, I think now that you stop publishing, people that have those books, they'll probably go up in value great, now because it's way. a collectible. You can't get it anymore, right? Well, the, the only time we had this level of sales was when we when we launched it and after I went on the program, remember Dick Carpullian had the press conference. It seems like when there's some kind of volatility going on or controversy, people like to get it and you're right. Well, maybe people are trying to get those last few I just, uh, copies that Amazon has right now, probably as yeah. we speak. But Neil, uh, thanks so much. Okay, so this is what I want to get into. So what he just said, which is very interesting. So he, so uh, as I said, remember that number 900, right? So they had just sold 900 copies of the book and he just said, and I can rewind it. He just said, we haven't had this much success in the book sales since we first launched the book, which means that probably when they launched the book, it was around 900, a thousand, let's say 1500 copies. And then obviously sales went down, right? Probably because when people started reading the book, they realized it wasn't that great. Um, but sales went down, right? This leads me to my whole point. One of the things I've said, I've had many friends who have self-published books through Amazon. It's an expensive, it's an expensive ordeal. It's about like thirty to $40,000. Um, and that's when you like self-warehouse too. Like you're, you, you know what I mean? So they were uh, doing print on demand, uh, I believe, because he said that, that if they were doing print on demand, their monies, from what I understand from my friends who self-published, because I was thinking about, I'm thinking about doing the same thing, um, 
you can do print on demand where you don't warehouse books, which is what they're they're saying that they were doing. So they they did not pay for, you know, 50,000 copies to be printed or 10,000 copies or a thousand copies to be printed. Amazon goes and you order it on Amazon and then they print it, which makes your sales. And this is on YouTube. You can find all this Kindle desktop publishing stuff here. Um, somebody, there's a bajillion videos, make money from home type things. But the when you do a print on demand type situation, the margins are so low. And I think for something, if I'm not mistaken, because I was going through, I had a friend, they sent me all their financials of the books. So like, this is if you want to self-publish, this is what the realistic costs are for you. They sold their book for, I believe, $22.95 a copy. So book i think sold i think i bought it for 19.99 or 20.99 so let's just say 20 dollars, right the for my friend for the person who shared with me their their p l statement on their book the the cost to print on demand with amazon was something like 13 or 14 dollars a book just for that plus the fees on amazon which i think they took like 40 or maybe 60 percent it was they were making like three or four dollars a book at the end of this. So now, Neil Gordon has said in previous interviews how, how, and there's a point to this, guys. Neil Gordon had said in previous interviews how they had spent all this money to make this book, right? Thirty or $40,000. He just said that the sales had totaled 900 and they started warehousing the books or whatever and printed their own. I don't know if that's true because they could have, they could have, in order to make profit, done a different deal with Amazon and said, print 500 books and hold them in the warehouse. Like that's probably what happened because selling 900 books to Amazon probably doesn't make them go, oh, we should print another 10,000 of these. So he said 900. So then he said those sales didn't match until, you know, they didn't see those type of sales until they had initially re released the book. So you're talking probably somewhere around, let's just say, let's just say 5,000 copies were sold in total, right? They maybe made, you know, four to $8 a book, let's say. So that would be between 20 and 40,000, but it cost them 30 to 40 grand to put the whole thing together, let's say. This is my whole point in talking about this from months and months ago. You have just both without question altered severely altered the arc of your personal and professional lives for what to what end i always say this to what end do people do what they do it's just like murdoch right you're, you're looking at him going he stole all this money he committed he's he's convicted of of, of these murders to what end did it serve you? You're always looking at it. I say the same thing with my father. To what end did that purpose serve you to take the life of my mother in a premeditated way? Like, why did you premeditate such a crime? For, for what reason? That, I think, is, it has to be something that we have to look at in these situations. Of, are you kidding me? Like, you made, what, a couple thousand dollars? That's what you sold your soul for. And now you're looking at a, a potential retrial of, of Alec Murdo, which is going to cost millions of dollars, most likely. Um, the, the shit storm that you're now in, the legal fees that are probably going to come out of this. I speak a lot of times, uh, you know, I, I've done a TED Talk. I have spoke around the world. I've traveled around with my film. A Murder in Mansfield is available below if you want to check it out. Uh, also available on Discovery Plus, I believe, and maybe even Max nowadays since they've all merged. Um, it was on Hulu too. Especially, like, about a year ago, I spoke to a group of young people at the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising here in Los Angeles. And there were we were talking about social media. I, had, I have a large TikTok following. I was talking about that and social media and your branding and stuff. And I said, one of the things that you have to do as a young person or as any age person and carried me through my, my sort of stuff that I went through as a kid was I had to look in the mirror and say to myself, am I going to be able to look in this mirror two decades from now or 50 years from now? 
or and go, did I do the right thing? Did I did I was there integrity and intent of purpose in what I did? And what is that going to look like? Am I going to be embarrassed? Am I going to feel shame? Am I going to regret not going after my father, not telling police what I knew, not testifying against him? You know, because obviously that took a lot of, you know, chutzpah and whatever, yay me. But in all seriousness, there are these moments in life when you have to go like, say to yourself, is that really, is what I'm doing, in, to what end am I doing what I'm doing? And if you want to tell me that, you know, you can make millions of dollars on a book, be on Dancing with the Stars, whatever. I, 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 I get it. People have ambitions, but the realistic nature of all of this is that this is going to lead to nowhere except right where we are. And I'm sure, you know, Neil Gordon had said in that interview that he was like, I, we are on you know, we are now per social media now permanently attached to Becky Hill. Well, dude, you've said in interviews past that you literally are the one that ran the Facebook page for all of this. Like, of course you're connected with her. People just don't think. Never underestimate the predictability of stupidity, as I like to say. But that's the thing. There is just, you don't run this. Um, you Oh, yes. Thank you so much, Illegally Read. You can also watch the movie if you sign up for Patreon. Yes, you can. Um, well, uh, Davey... Ruth author uh, that I did not know. It costs zero dollars to self-publish on Amazon. Your only costs are editing, which is about fifteen uh, dollars per book, a cover. Uh, this one was cheap. Formatting three hundred and advertising. Their profits will be interesting. Um, uh, that is not the information that I have, but okay. Uh, you're if you're an author, Dobie Ruth, I'm, I'll take your word for it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> these people spent more. Uh, they think they spent $15,000 on an editor or $13,000 on an editor. Um, so they probably, as if this, they probably didn't spend that again. So what do they make? Maybe 40, $50,000. Okay, great. Is that, is that what they're going to pay in legal fees? I mean, I'm not here to, I'm not here to, you know, <laughs> to promote or, or dissuade anyone from self-publishing. But merely what I'm saying is I think that that this is, you know, when you think about the actual real costs here, like what is the true cost? What is the real cost of what you're doing and why and why that's just, you know, egg on your face, I suppose. Uh, sometimes we don't understand why people do certain things. Uh, starting with a t-shirt with your favorite statement. Yes, I do. Mary Alice has. Yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> yes, I do. I should do that tonight. Um, uh, sometimes we don't understand why people do certain things, but perhaps we're not supposed to because our mind doesn't think that way. Maybe that's a blessing. I would also say back to the person that, that wrote about the, uh, wrote about the self-publishing too. Sure. It's very inexpensive too, but a lot, a lot of people also have to hire people to do that as well. So that's an expense to put the book online on Amazon. You could do it for free. It might take longer. A lot of people pay someone else to do that too. Just saying. Uh, again, I don't think it's necessarily a, I don't think it's necessarily a, um, a, you know, a worthwhile expense. Prefer V-neck women's t-shirts. That's good to know. That's good to know. Yes, Debbie Richmond. I would like to think that. Collier, you have morals and integrity. None of these people have uh, no morals. They are greedy and selfish. Uh, yes, I would think that, um, yeah, it's a very solipsistic way of, um, way of behaving. When you ask to what and did that serve you, the answer is that person's value system. It means if it means more than money in their pockets, then money is one of their usual, uh, usual primary values, which is that. Yeah, absolutely. Again, you're talking about, uh, and that's a, like a common theme with this, with this whole situation too, right? You have Alec Murdoch, who's, who is admittedly stolen all this money from all these clients and, and disgraced his family name and, and gotten him. I mean, and then to see people not look at this and go, Hmm, let us, let us pause for a moment. Let us pause for a moment and um, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe reassess what we're going to do. I don't think for the record, I don't think there's anything wrong with her writing a book. I question the timing of it and the rush to get it out in the public and the manner in which she went about it. 
I don't care if she wrote a book. She wrote a book two years from now, I wouldn't care. And she could have. That's the thing. There would have been a lot more interest. She could have taken her time and written a better book. And it would have been a lot more thorough. And she is the person who delivered the verdict. No one's ever going to take that away from her. That's the problem is, you know, the... The, the competition, she had no competition. She's the only person that had anything to do with this. And yeah, other people would have bought Murdoch books and, and, and you know, that would be like somebody else writing about my, my mother's murder. Yeah, I'm sure it'll sell a book, but you get my perspective. <laughs> That's what you're paying for. You're not paying to hear the story, you're paying to hear this, you know, this person's story, their views, their opinions, right? Same thing. I would read the book, you know, I mean, did buy it, I bought the book, right? Um, you know, th that's the thing. It's the rush and it's the, the, you know, the very solipsistic way in which they went about it, which I think is just, is, is the worst part of it because now it's just created absolute chaos, absolute chaos. And it will, it's just now, it, you know, it's not, it's going to continue to perpetuate. It's going to continue to perpetuate, uh, which is just, um, which is just, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not new here, just a new commenter, but my prediction is Neil will sue Be Becky. I'm sure he will sue Becky. And I don't think, <clears throat> I always get a great vocabulary lesson on this channel. I always, <laughs> thank you so much, Debbie Richmond. Um, <laughs> I love that. I love, uh, I love talking about, um, I remember you from your dad's court case. Uh, I live in National Ohio. We all follow the tragedy. Very, uh, we all follow, follow the trial. Very awful and tragic. Well, thank you. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, I would agree. Uh, wrestlers, wrestlers, mom. Did you guys see Wrestlers? The documentary I talked about it a while ago. I'm trying to interview that director um, because I think it's fascinating. You guys ought to see it. Ohio Valley Wrestling. Really, really, uh, really cool. Uh, fantastically, like so well done. Um, anyways, Rassler just made me think of that. Um, yes, I think he'll sue. I think he'll also sue her just to protect himself, to sort of bifurcate himself from all this. I mean, he, I, I don't even know how that how that even happens at this point because, um, you know, what do you do? Like, how do you separate yourself from that? I don't think that really works. Uh, new segment idea, math and vocab lessons with Professor C. Uh, I love that idea. I actually... Excuse my misuse of, of the language voice texting after a busy day at work. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I love that cat. I am also the, the wonk. And I was, when I was back in Mansfield, I was showing someone um, at our meet and greet where I literally save notes for vocabulary that I hear. And um, because I'm just that nerdy, guys, I'm just absolutely that big of a nerd. That literally saves. Here's a word and goes, oh, I love this. I love this. What was the word of the day that I had earlier? I can't. Let me see. Oh, yes. Pusillanimous, which means ca cowardly. Pusillanimous. That was a word I learned uh, earlier today. Very interesting. Anyways, um, the hour is almost up. I want to thank all of you for tuning in. I want to say a big shout out to my channel members, my channel, uh, my Patreon supporters. Again, we had two new patrons join. Uh, we had two new patrons join this last week. Thank you so much to uh, Liz Glosson and Sherry Falls. Thank you so much to all of our super sticker uh, and chatters. And Football Mom, welcome to the channel. And channel members, Mover Nation welcomes you. Uh, Cat Loves Cat Skills and Illegally Red, thank you so much for your super chat, super, super stickers as well. And um, this is great. Uh, thank you all so much for uh, tuning in. And, uh, you know, I'm just grateful you're all here and you're listening to me and you find me fascinating. Or at least you learn enough vocabulary from me that it may, that makes me, that's like, my mother would be very proud of that comment. Um, she would be very proud, proud of that. <laughs> that uh, people that my vocabulary is engaging and thought provoking. I like that. Uh, anyways, um, guys, Mover Nation, thank you so much. Uh, I will probably be live again before Sunday, I'm sure. But uh, if not, I will see y'all on the next one. Take care.
This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. For exclusive content around this podcast, please consider supporting me via Patreon by going to collierlandry.com forward slash support. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please leave us a five-star review. If you want to see video episodes of this podcast, please check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash collierlandry. You can find links to additional resources in the show notes of today's episode. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio. Copyright Collier Landry.